0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Thompson. I'm so excited to share with you our next Chief Executive Podcast. Sid, as you'll meet in a moment, is an extraordinary young executive who's been able to move quickly through organizations, promoted time and again, and yet you're going to hear the most humble guy on the planet and one who's driven to make a difference because he has a sense of discovery. So many of us get tasked with this idea of having to be an intrapreneur, that guy inside who everybody is saying she or he's going to go boldly forward to reinvent or harvest this whole aspect of our business. They're going to lead change. They're going to make innovation happy in our organization, but most people aren't happy about the change. Most people are trying to think about how we don't mess up what we've worked so hard to achieve. So when you're the change agent and you get thrown in front of that bus to drive people through that set of adjustments that have to be made, well, you're going to learn a heck of a lot today from Sid and his journey in taking a global brand down the road to innovation and not being swerved off (laughs) into a ditch along the way. Listen to this podcast with Sid on this program for the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm so delighted to have the opportunity to talk with Sid today. He inspires me as an executive who has been really having an impact on the world that he touches, whether it's a customer, an employee, or his colleagues in his extraordinary global brand as a company. And so, Sid, it's been delightful to get to know you better and to have a conversation about leadership and and your remarkable journey. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what your journey has been in terms of where you started and and where you are today uh, as an executive, as you introduce yourself to the other chief executives who are
1: listening to this broadcast. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Thanks for having me first. Um, So my journey, pretty briefly, so I was born in India, New Delhi, Um, spent most of my schooling there, Uh, went to IIT Madras uh, for my bachelor's and master's in bioengineering, Um, happened to build a small startup there that was into consulting, uh, biotech and medical devices company, so was a bit entrepreneurial early on, Um, joined Novartis in 2017 in India um, as a role of innovation executive, basically responsible for driving bunch of innovation projects uh, in, at our Global Drug Development Office in India, in Hyderabad. Um, and f- from there onwards, um, you know, based on successes of a couple of projects that I've been doing, um, I was promoted to the head of strategy of a program called Data42, uh, which is Novartis's moonshot of bringing together its 2 million years of data. Um, and I was the first employee of this program. So it's been a remarkable journey and we are almost three years in now. Um, A lot has been done and achieved.
0: You know, it's really quite remarkable when an executive like yourself rises so quickly through your entire career and within the company that you are today, and then gets tasked for doing something that's often an ambition for a company, but really tough to feel comfortable doing, which is in a sense being an entrepreneur and and having the courage, frankly, along with the vision to say, I want to think about how, this impact could be of our business if we were to harvest in this case your data 42 project could you talk a little bit about the 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 journey for you and for your colleagues of coming to the conclusion of tasking you with that leadership role and and um and the challenges that might be faced by it?
1: sure Uh, mark you touched upon a word called courage and you know courage is Completely stripped of its value if there's no vulnerability. So let me start with vulnerability. Um, you know, as we started out this journey, and especially I'll talk about myself. Um, I think I was about 25 as when I when I joined the program, um, and there were quite a lot of executives as part of you know this whole initiative. That's a you know goal and moonshot for Novartis, who've been there for. I would say at least one or two decades. You know, uh, very well experienced. You know, highly vetted, industry recognized veterans. Um, so there was a lot of vulnerability for me because yeah, I didn't know it. And uh, you know, to be honest, um, it feels a bit prejudiced. It feels a bit you know prejudiced and you know too presumptuous to say that I knew the solution from the beginning. I didn't know the solution, but definitely I had a bunch of questions. Um, and those questions have helped me continuously probe for how can an industry which holds so much value you know, for, for our world, for the patients can be transformed using data, using dig- digital. Um, I'm a biology student uh, and having had the chance of you know running some experiments myself, I can make, let's say miniaturizing, very naive translations of what more data can do. I'm sure these people can. So what's blocking them um, and where are the barriers? And to be honest, um, my journey has been of removing very humble barriers uh, from the ways of very, very smart people, which I think a lot of it is around identifying the right problems, diagnosing why they're being caused, and then having the courage and boldness to drive through them. Um, I don't want to strip this of the fact of where coaching and sponsorship plays a role. So I've had a tremendous amount of sponsors, both in terms of my managers and you know our senior management has been quite encouraging. And as in when we've made these bold moves, you know, we found a very warm reception and an ability to propagate those bold moves into transformations. And thanks to those transformations, which are not only just my, let's say, ideas and my efforts, um, but a contribution of many in my team and you know my peers, that has landed me to the journey where I am, you know, and to the positions that I have. So I wouldn't attribute my position to a journey of how I've become amazing. It's a bit of I've asked. I've had the courage of asking the right questions in broad forums. I've had like, incredibly generous sponsors and peers who have you know, like, answered those questions. And I've had tons of luck uh, in finding solutions you know, which were to disrupt me. Sid,
0: I'm inspired by this idea that we all must think about our journey in the context of humility and vulnerability so that we learn faster, better, deeper. and then that ends up being a visceral connection we're making with the people who have recruited us and we've recruited to the journey together. It's a, it's a centerpiece of collaboration in the research about this idea that we have to have hubris on the one hand, as my professor at Stanford would say when he was writing Good to Great, Jim Collins, he'd say, We had this, what sounds sometimes like a paradoxical combination of hubris and humility. Hubris saying it is a moonshot and we're doing it. (laughs) We don't know how. That takes both humility and courage to say we are going to join through our efforts together and through our willingness to learn together, lock arms and make this thing happen. And so I'm, I'm inspired to hear you frame it in those terms. In fact, I think when Jim was talking about it, that's what he described as a level five leader. Who could who could face that vulnerability? When do you feel like you made a connection with that as a, a, a safe place to go or or a an opportunity for you uh, in your career?
1: Yeah, uh, people who know me well um, will will know that I talk a lot about the the, the journey between the transient and transcendental. Yeah, um, and. A lot of what I do in life is kind of associated with how I can see the world come together. It gives me a bunch of joy, a lot of passion. Um, I would would even say it's my key driver. Um, And to your point, Mark, that having the humility of not knowing, let me take it more selfishly and move it away from humility and say, well, if I really wanna discover how the world works, there better be questions to whose answers I do not know. Otherwise, uh, there's no point of going on this journey. Um, and so, you know, over time, as as I've seen, you know, pain as an indicator, you know, of, of, of telling me here is a dimension, here is a here is something I don't understand about you know how the world works. And and as I go through the pain, and as we solve those problems, you know, of whose answers and whose answers we couldn't even fathom, you know, forget we knew. Um, my 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 perspective becomes really enriched. And the next time that problem appears, I feel so gratified, so satisfied. You know, even if it's not necessarily linked to a business objective, it could be a people problem. You know, we we understand now that there are people, you know, people have different mindsets, they're wired differently, you know, some people are into detail, some people are you know into the high level, you know, there are people there are people who have certain context at a certain point of time, which, which is a, you know, as progress as the program or the project progresses. So we must talk to all of them at a different, you know, speed at a different, you know, level of information, just having this, you know, let's say as a dimension, if I take those two, right. Um, It's so gratifying for me. And time and time again, uh, as we've solved these problems, you know, better understanding of these dimensions have helped me solve better problems. And in fact, has helped me help other people, which is also very gratifying because that's what they're struggling with. Often, you know, my colleagues or my friends or my peers or, Who report to me, you know, get stuck into something and this is vicious cycle of trying to, you know, apply what you know, what we call as referential knowledge to something which hasn't been comprehended yet. Uh, And it's almost like trying to understand a sphere by drawing a circle, but it's truly it's truly not the case. Um, And trying to measure, you know, surface area while you should be measuring for volume. Um, Sorry for talking physics here. That's okay. Um, so,
0: we're, it's, it's two-dimensional and three-dimensional. You know, in this Zoom format, we're getting accustomed to the difference between yeah. that connection with the two and the, and the volumetric. So
1: to summarize, the enriching process of like, identifying problems that are not solved at world value for people, um, then going through the pain myself and you know, with my peers, and you know, through that pain learning what constitutes this and learning new dimensions and better understanding of the relationship with transient and transcendental. That's how at least I've come to embrace the fact of pain and you know, problems I can't answer and come to love them. I, I,
0: I love the, the framing of this as, as the, the pain and that purpose for it. And you use that term very freely in this process. And I think for uh, some thinkers around the world, Many might have this growth mindset that you're describing, which is intensely curious. You, you're, you're putting intrinsic value on the not knowing. Uh, you're putting you're, you're putting a lot of importance and meaning into the discovery, uh, which makes you an, uh, an entrepreneur, an experiment, a scientist, a spiritualist, a, a person who's interested in, in the unknown and bringing that forward to create value for the world and for yourself. And so. There's that, that moment of suspense that you're saying, I don't know. You're also saying that it's painful. So what you're saying is that you, you're very much attracted to being able to, to go through the process of adding value in the business or in your life by approaching something that maybe be that, that big, hairy, audacious goal that you don't know how to solve. And yet, nevertheless, the, the pain sounds like it's a centerpiece. For you, it, it doesn't. In other words, for some, that would that would warn them away. Or they, uh, many types of personalities are just really attached to winning and achievement uh, as as quickly as possible. And our our quarterly cycle tends to be indexed towards the short term. So this idea of being embracing pain and the unknown and the discovery to create long term value is. Could you unpack that further for your, especially for business people as they bring their, their
1: humanity to the work. Sure. Um, just to also ground myself, I'm sure the pain I've faced is far less than what others have and also the what comes with experience and age. Um, but let me at least detail out what I think um, and let my fellows evaluate if it's worth anything. I don't think one can avoid pain. So it's almost like, you know, being being so we, we, are, we are in the world where time is moving. Um, and if I had to start bucketing, right? Three kinds of, let's say personalities or three kinds of attitudes one could take. Um, attitude number one, I have everything that I need. It's great. I don't want to change anything because change may cause pain. You know, Given the forward moving nature of time, things are changing <laughs> and, and, and you're trying to stay stationary. That's excellent. I don't know how, that's, how long that's going to last. And there's going to come (laughs) a point of time, you know, where your bubble is going to get embraced with reality, which has, you know, greatly changed in the where you left it. And that's going to cause pain and not having the ability to deal with it and to move beyond it is going to, you know, get you into agony over time and maybe a perpetual agony. So that's just the first attitude. The second attitude of, you know, winning and achieving, yeah. Um, also excellent because it motivates you at least not to be in the state of, let's say stationary, it's like kinetic energy, you know, versus potential and, you know, takes you from a state of, you know, not willing to do anything to at least starting to learn, you know, in the hopes of achieving your goal. But even then, you know, two things could happen. Um, one, you achieve your goal and then you have the pain of, okay, crap, what do I do next? And you have, you'll have to find the next one. That's inevitable. That's the, that's the construct, construct of life. Um, and then number two, you may toil you know a lot to get to your goal. And if you really want it, you'll have to embrace that pain. So that's the other, other part of it. The third is, you know also why to make pain the center? Why not to make the goal the center? You know, just with my under- better understanding of the transient and transcendental and you know some reading in life, I come to realize that outcomes are not my doing only. You know, there are many factors involved the places the people random ideas that pop into my head um, you know so many other things and sometimes things i wish the way they would happen don't happen yeah and that's a part of life um, and so i have to adjust to those situations sometimes the goal i thought for myself are the wrong goals i thought i was going to be in harvard business school you know two years ago like i didn't go there and I was crying for that goal, and I didn't go there, and I'm so happy I didn't go there. Not that I didn't want, don't want to, or I think anything bad about Harvard, but it just wasn't good, the right thing for me, you know, to do in, in that timeline. And through the process of pain, I've come to realize the next, you know, uh, truth, which I'll have to pursue for, which is you know being in my role and you know have getting going on this journey of bringing together, our you know big big data across the, the healthcare sector. Um, so the last attitude you could have is of. That no matter what happens, you know, because outcomes are not in your control, you want to learn. You want to learn what happened. And you want to at least come to acceptance, if not, you know, at um, agreement. And that acceptance also takes pain, So no matter which attitude you take, you're going to have to embrace pain. So better have a good attitude towards it, and pain may treat you favorably.
0: Well, you know, your message comes at a particularly good time, I think, for all of us, uh, as when being in isolation relatively has forced many of us to spend more time with ourselves, who might not have had already the discipline or the attraction to this self discovery that you're describing in your journey. The people who have been able to be built to last that have had success that's lasting, take the approach that you're describing so that they can have peace and a sense of purpose uh, and outcomes because they've made that growth mindset a centerpiece in, in their life. Can you share with us a time when that principle was upfront and personal for you at, you know, in your youth or in the present, or can you take us to a place when that was a useful
1: way of thinking about it? In the early days of the project that I've been working on, um, because of the fact that some solutions have to fit in an entire ecosystem, um, I, in my opinion, some there were some choices being made which I didn't agree with personally, and and I was really strongly anchored with the success of the project um, to say that okay, this is you know what I associate myself in life with, you know this stands for my values, so I want this to be on time, you know deliver the value it is, and I want to stand behind it. Um, and I could see that some of those choices that were being made um, could actually derail the time, whether they were of actual consequential matter or not, is yet is remains unsolved because they never happened. Um, and for, for for that specific moment, Mark, you know, I felt I, I would say quite depressed. As a matter of fact, I was like, okay, here I am. I have tons of logic with me. You know, all this data, all this analysis I've done. Other people have done, you know. I've brought them together. It's in document clean, crystallized, and beautiful decks. Why don't people get this? You know, um, this is the obvious choice. This is this is what makes sense. Um, and that was my, you know, my illusion that it made sense because it made sense in my mind. Um, that's that's all that was happening. And I went through an agony, you know, of like I would even say two months, uh, where I ended up like traveling over, you know, to some to meet some of my friends and hike in some islands, and while walking. You know, we we kind of stumbled upon um, talking about some philosophy and some philosophical books. And this friend of mine, you know, he's he's more let's say into people and thinks a lot about how people think about him and you know how people think in general. And he started explaining me, you know, yeah, you know, people have their own mindset and you know you have to work together. And to me, it became immediately clear that, well, I wasn't thinking about one one dimension, that's you know, people. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that we need a solution that everybody can work with to make come true. Um, that pain, you know, taught me that no matter how right I am or how r- wrong I am, it's important to think about people as a part of the solution. The stakeholders, you know, for, for lack of a better word, you know, their incentives, their emotions, their state of mind, their current context, and to bring them along that journey. Um, and what happens henceforth is, you know, I was able to find a solution with the help of you know, some sponsorship, as, again as well, that kind of fitted the goals and helped accelerate our journey and this time you know i was let's say humble enough to step back and say guys i don't understand. so I, I literally you know raised my flags and i said i don't know how to bring everybody along can you help me do you believe in this yes i can have this crude conversation with you but can you help me um, and ever since you know we've done several of these let's say transformations in our program and elsewhere where um, we've had to bring you know in the order of 30 40 50 people sometimes senior stakeholders sometimes more let's say uh, associate level people and I, I, that's been such an enriching journey you know it's become a skill of mine now to you know set up like war rooms and bring together people on like disruptive technology so that's the little story if I had to share you know uh, by leaving out the details still um, how pain has at least morphed me in one instantiation and how I saw that it was my own roadblocks that caused that agony and you know moving beyond that roadblock has like uh, given given me tremendous value and allowed me to bring Lot of prosperity to my organization and to my
0: it's a brilliant way to frame it, Sid. I think because we can all relate to finally having the blessing of a conviction to do something and then the surprise of how it's in our head and not anybody else's until <laughs> we encourage them or find a way to frame it, or as you said earlier, bridge to where their heads are at so that we can harvest this choir of voices to create music together. And uh, it's like the conductor can't turn the sound off or not hand out the song sheets or, or listen to the better interpretations that everybody else is having of that piece of art. Uh, and, and so I love that story. I, I think everyone listening today can really relate to it. And I wanna lean into this point about engaging the team which is on everybody's mind, particularly today, to try to keep people engaged, but more importantly, light them up, ignite them around the idea that you may have or the vision of it without being so directive that, that we're channeling it, we're not harvesting all they have to offer. And I had the privilege early in my life of learning from and working with Charles Schwab, who I've known for 30 years. And early in his life, he didn't realize he was dyslexic at the time. He's now dis- he now discovered that after he had a child and the diagnosis of that sort of thing of those learning differences became very clear. And it's now become a mission in his life to help people with all kinds of minds and perspectives. So you talk about diverse thinking and getting teams together. That's an interesting way to think about neurology and engaging all kinds of minds in, in a project. And he was at Stanford and he got there and thought he was a really smart guy. He was almost kicked out of college twice because he couldn't make the bonehead English. Now, he had people from all over the world who could speak and and write English uh, literature. They could write uh, essays much better than he could. And so this was really tough for him because he's smart in math. He was pretty good at marketing. And he realized his his actual special gift was making things simple enough so that everyone could understand. In fact, that would become part of his brainchild when he created Charles Schwab & Company. Because he was one of the few people at Stanford Business School who came out thinking about the team and how he was a facilitator and coach for a team because he had learned very quickly he wasn't the smartest guy in the room at everything. That's not what this is about. It's about engaging all those kinds of minds. Could you talk a little further about that process then uh, that you've mentioned about being able to bridge to the many different types of people that are needed. And who show up, especially with all the cultures that you're you're sitting in Switzerland right now, and you're lighting up the whole world uh, in this conversation.
1: Absolutely, um, I think before I go and talk about it, it's kind of important to highlight like why is it hard to think about it? Um, Thank cause, you. you. know, because because in 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 the context of solving problems, more at least in my my work, right, the first sort of things that come to mind mind of let's say at least for me and you know many of the people I know um, is okay, what are we building? you know what's the solution? Uh, the next order of things that come to people's mind is, well, what is exactly actually the problem you know what who's the customer and what's the pain? I know it's a bit out of sequence, but, but that's how thoughts start to occur at least for me sure um, absolutely and 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 then comes you know, okay, can I deliver this you know in time you know, with money, can I meet the milestones and everything else right Only then you come to realize. Oh no, you know, actually I'm going to be ending up delivering the solution with people, right? who are going to build it. There are customers on one end who are going to accept it. There are, you know, regulators, stakeholders and everybody else who's involved here who has a role to play in all of this, right? Each of them is coming from their own angle and perspective. And each of them today has a different set of information about the topic you're going to talk about, a different set of like impressions and information about you. And also a different style of consuming information, right? um, And I would almost recommend um, again. Maybe I'm talking to a lot of my younger peers to say that yeah. make that as a part of active problem solving. You know, while science and while technology and while strategy are all critical, you know, actively solving for people, you know, and you know, communication. Uh, I think um, Warren Buffet said this, right? If any skill you could improve, be communication. Um, I'd say. That's something I fully agree with because it's not just communicating yourself, but how do you use communication to bring the right people at the right time? Where are what? What content are you going to give to them? You know, how is it going to be framed? Is this person interested in technical details or is this person interested in the big picture? You know, does this person even know anything? Do we have to first meet with this person and like you know just let them vent out and be angry because that's that's the moment for this, and then in a couple of days this is the moment for you know for them to understand what the details are. So, um, love it. Yeah, for, for me and my team, we've almost had like charts, you know, like uh, knowledge graphs of people and like how people connect with each other and what attributes they hold. And against these knowledge graphs, you know, we've solved. And let me be truly honest, um, I'm not trying to make myself, you know, the bold hero here that goes into every conversation and just tears it apart. No, uh, our team even divides, you know, who has what conversation depending on, you know, who is this, who is this for? And this is not just based on seniority. But who are you talking to? You know, is this somebody who wants you know, a more high-level executive language? Is this somebody who really wants to get into the weeds? Is this somebody who loves to you know, discuss sarcasm? I think all those little details you know, uh, can play an important role in bringing people. Along.
0: I love it. You're, you're showing appreciation for all kinds of minds and all different types of personalities. And that's what's coming together to, to create the solutions that you're looking for. And it takes a lot of orchestration and a lot of patience to do that.
1: Yeah, I just want to add to this that I don't think it's an overhead and that's why I use the word consider it as a part of active problem solving. It is the process by which your solution truly gets refined, not only to be accepted, but actually solve the problem. Because um, everything you've dreamt up, or at least for me, everything I've dreamt up in my head is not what it is, you know, that's going to actually solve the problem that many people face. So. Um, Yes, you have to take out time and it is very important. Um, and I've come to recognize this, like I said, through the pain and the, and the journey that I've been through.
0: What I'm so grateful for in your commentary is that anyone who's watching this broadcast has, has a certain level of ambition to have impact and has already had the privilege of accomplishing that for all sorts of reasons that have to do with the team, <laughs> making it possible the circumstances and their own willingness uh, to craft a path uh, on that journey, one of the people that I've talked to recently is Ed Cadmill at Pixar, who has these very creative projects like herding cats in so many different fields and then trying to make up a story and then betting incredible amounts of money on talent and, and that storytelling capacity to come to solutions. And one of the hacks that he's often talked about is that the process that you're describing he's compartmentalized and I'm oversimplifying for him or for what you have to accomplish with the complexity of that solvent process. Do you have hacks that allow you to put a frame around each phase of the the race for him? Very simplistically, he actually had a different room for the brainstorming, saying, okay, this is where we're ideating. Nobody's gonna be shooting down anybody's ideas in this room. This is what's gonna be sticky notes all over. Um, And then the next room, might be a curation of, okay, now that we've reflected on that, not all of it makes as much sense as it did when I thought about it in the middle of the night. And and what, what's starting to make more sense. And then and, and they actually have physical spaces. Now of course they're in the visual arts business. So that kind of makes sense for him to do that. And it ends up being a very powerful way of getting people through the pipeline to the point where we're in a very different space when we're actually curating budgeting, processing and, and execution. Have you have you found ways of or Uh, context in which you are able to help people through this process you're describing?
1: Sure, Um, depends on what we're trying to solve for. I'll take a very, very simplistic example to elucidate. Um, Let's say when multiple people together are trying to build some sort of a document, and I'm just taking document for the purposes of it's easy to explain. the document needs to have a table of content. You know, it needs to have the content inside it. It needs to be sharp. You know, and this all of this needs to mean something. Um, in my world, sometimes I've divided it into four phases. If it helps, yeah. Um, start with completion. So I said, we're not. So of course we've ideated. We, so we start with the hypothesis first, and say this is our hypothesis of what done looks like. If this document is complete, so the table of contents, right, and say. Okay, now we've had the chance to ideate and I've brought together a synthesis of, you know, what, what it makes sense and all the responsible parties agree to that this table of content is comprehensive from their view, good enough. Okay, let's park this hypothesis. Let's go into completion phase. Let's bring everything that we think belongs, you know, underneath these headings and what is needed for this document to, you know, be where it is. So all the team does in this period of time is bring together information. And they're not thinking about if this is like, you know if this if this is written the right way if it's the right format it's just a collection of information and everybody is working towards that um, then you go into the phase of you know articulation okay now that we've got everything in there can we make sure that the stuff we've copied doesn't have brackets you know is written in simple English these are sentences and we can understand it and team takes you know different components of the document and starts articulating it you know as Lengthy or as broad it can be, you know, huge. It can be small. It can be whatever. We don't care about it right now. We know that we've brought together all the information. And now we need to just write it down in plain English. And all we need to do is apply English and our common sense. Yeah. Um, phase number three is simplification. You know, great. You wrote a paragraph about something trivial, or let's say something super important, which is three pages. Excellent. Nobody will get it. How do we simplify? It, right. Um, which includes, of course, deletion of words and deletion of non-essential content. And it's a very reflective process because you spent so much time articulating it. Now you're at a point at time to say, "Well, I actually know what's not important. You know, I'm going to strike off all these lines and you know, anchoring back to the point of pain. It does cause pain, you know, because you wrote up, you wrote down all that stuff. Um, and then the last piece of this is meaning. So then we collectively pause, you know, and say, "Okay, we're trying to say X, Y, and Z using this document or whatever this del- deliverable is, right?" We need to pause and understand if what we are saying makes any sense first, makes sense to us, can we connect it? And the way we've written it, is it coming across truly to this entity, to this person or to this group of people, right? And then we prune it again, you know, for meaning and say, this is not connecting still the dots that we need to, here are the gaps and we flag it. And we go back again, you know, we start finding the facts to complete it, you know, prune it again and keep going through these cycles till the document is complete, articulate, simple, and has a lot of meaning to the, the entity this is being delivered to. I hope that uh, kind of answers what
0: you're That's absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. People really appreciate the opportunity to kind of know what the tool is and, and also have a sense of what the objective is of, of being led through a process that, that is going to be making a difference for folks. So, Sid, as you think about the journey that you've taken. What do you wish you knew and would advise yourself as a younger executive to have uh, taken as a development opportunity when you were starting out that you know today from the journey that you're on?
1: That's an excellent uh, question, Mark. So um, first, like I talked about courage and vulnerability. Um, I wish I knew very early on that empathy is so important. Um, and. Why is empathy important is we all face vulnerability in our lives. And that's also a bond that connects us. And that's a bond that helps bring people together. And I wish I knew how important it was to connect with people and how important it was to understand their vulnerabilities and to share with them my vulnerabilities. So that's just one. Um, two, um, I wish, I wish um, somebody you know early on would have taught me that not everything is science and analytics, there's a lot of belief involved. There's a lot of leap of faith involved. Uh, I've, I've happened to discover this by actually coming to a point of frustration and saying, I'm just gonna jump now and see what happens. Um, I wish somebody had told me early on, there's a lot of leap of faith um, and there's a lot of belief in that you, you, that the world is big enough and then you'd meet the right people and there's enough opportunity. You know, a sense of gratitude uh, that you need to have towards your situation and continue to persist uh, as you continue. And the last piece, which I'm still learning, I have to say, is patience and peace. You know, um, I wish I wish somebody would have told me, you know, when I started out, that it's so important to understand that everything's not in your control. Yeah, I know it sounds obvious. And, and then life doesn't work like clockwork as, you know, shown everywhere. It works at its own pace. Um, and so having the grounding and the wisdom to let things happen at its own time is important. And pausing deliberately is also important. So the the knowledge of the pause, I would say. I I love that framing because
0: while I asked you the question in the context of a younger version of yourself, I'm working on all that stuff right now, and so is everyone listening today. (laughs) I think this is a journey, isn't it? It's it's something that is in real time. Absolutely. When you think about this journey, I want to have you take a moment also to say uh, what it is that you're grateful for um, in terms of the opportunities that you've had. Um, and, and and in your personal and your professional life, this is something that many of us don't take a moment to pause and, and reflect on and share with others and is, is often central to our drivers.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, there's a huge list. Um... <laughs> Let me, let me prioritize. Um, that's, that's a blessing in, in a, that right there. That's a blessing right there. Uh, it's a huge, huge list I have to say. Um, so definitely starting from family, both um, you know parents and brothers have, have had the, they've, they've encouraged me at all points of time. They've, I, would, I would even say they've taught me to be curious, uh, taught me to be bold, taught me to have integrity, and taught me to have fun. Um, so I think very very important pieces, you know, starting out on the journey. Um, uh, tons of thanks to my you know sponsors and my managers, um, you know, at my company. Um, they've given me opportunity um, which I would have not given myself if I was the older them, you know. So I don't know how they took this bet, um, and I can't be um, grateful enough to them, you know, for giving me the right problems to solve, um, and you know, l- trusting me with the opportunity. Uh, so, incredibly grateful. I am incredibly grateful to my peers because, you know, while there is still so much they know ahead of me and more than me, they continue to brainstorm with me, knowing all of that, you know, um, and they include me you know, in their thinking. Maybe they have to, but maybe they also don't have to. You know? um, and and th- there's so many ways they can punt me around and, you know, say, yeah, okay, I don't need to explain this guy, this thing. Why is it important? But they take the time to do this. Um, I'm just grateful for also the environment in our company. You know, this is like the right place. Um, it, I mean, Novartis is taking bold strides um, with, you know, digital and, you know, trying to reimagine medicine, you know. Um, and this is such a good place to be. And I'm lucky to be in this in this place and in this company uh, doing what I do. So this is just, um, let's say, by, by the set of people. I'm also lucky in to the university went. you know and to the situations I've been in and my culture uh, that have brought me closer to spirituality, um, that have taught, taught, shown me the diversity of lives that people go through. You know, coming from India, it's a very interesting country, you know, whole spread of cultures and whole spread of, you know, uh, disparities as well as privileges. And I'm thankful to you, you know, for taking the, the time to allow me to take the time to be grateful and be on this interview.
0: Well, I'm grateful to to know you, to be learning from you, to be partnering with you, and to be able to share your observations, insights, both the pain and the purpose that you have had as a center part of your journey, because it's added up to a whole lot and um, a very healing message and I think an insightful one. So thank you so much for being on this program today. And we look forward to having future conversations and learning from you at every opportunity in the future. Thanks so much, Sid. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Thanks for listening to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson. And please don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes every week.